Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from Northeast Pennsylvania, it's the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast with Nick Hart, the best place to break the ice with your favorite players. Today's guest, Penguins forward Corey Andolowski, actor and musician Harry Styles, plus all new Penn's Picks, and a brand new never-before-seen segment. So let's get to it. Without further ado, please give a warm welcome to our host, Penguins play-by-play broadcaster, Nick Hart! Oh, yes! Yes! Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. No, thank you. Welcome back to another season of your Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a, a lot of fun this season. It's an absolute pleasure uh, to be back here. I believe this is the seventh season of the show since uh, Mike O'Brien and myself started this uh, this dumb, dumb podcast. Uh, it's It's been a joy to bring you guys some of these conversations, get a chance to, to get a peek behind the players. Um, i got to give out some more thank yous before we actually start this season. First of all, Huge shout-out to L.S. Erickson, an old friend of mine whose music you can find on pretty much all streaming platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, the whole shebang. Um, I got to thank L.S. Erickson for giving us our new theme song for this season, New Year's, New Vibes, here on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. We've got Corey Andonovsky joining me today. We've got Harry Styles coming on later. We've got a new game, a new segment that we're going to play on the podcast that I'm happy to introduce. Hopefully it's a, a hit, a home run. Hopefully we have uh, the start of something special this year on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. We're going to have fun this year, uh, and you can expect that fun. This is the part where I always explain our schedule for the season. We once again plan on doing this on a bi-weekly basis, so every other week you can expect a new episode of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. We plan on taking a little bit of a hiatus uh, around the Christmas holiday because uh, there's a ton of games packed in there, a lot of travel at that time for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins schedule. We always take a little bit of a break in there. But other than that, you can expect consistently every other Thursday throughout this 2022-23 season to find a new episode of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast in your feed. We are hosted on SoundCloud. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. I mean, if you're listening to this right now, you probably found a way to track us down one way or another. But if you have a different preferred listening method, you can track us down over there. And without further ado, I've kept you fans waiting long enough. Let's get to our very first guest of the season, ladies and gentlemen. We are returning to our time-old tradition of starting a new season of the Penguins podcast with a rookie as our first guest. We steered away from that a little bit last year, but you know what? We're back on track, and I'm happy to introduce to you all Corey Andonovsky. Corey Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Nick. Really, really appreciate it. I know it's been a a busy start to the season for you guys. You guys packed uh, eight games into a very tight window, one of which didn't even finish. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll touch on that in a little bit here. But how are you feeling through uh, through eight games and this sensational start that the teams had? Yeah, good. I mean, it's like you said, it's been awesome. I mean, to be six zero and one is. It's quite crazy and it's probably one of the better uh, better starts to seasons I've had um, with a team. So um, it's been good. It's been a little bit of an adjustment for me, but, um, you know, we got a good group of guys, a good team. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you talk about adjusting, and I know, I mean, fans who listen to this podcast know that we like to talk a little bit more about who you are and just joke around and go on some weird tangents and talk less about necessarily the X's and O's of hockey. 
but you've turned into quite a player here for Wilkes-Barre Scranton. You had your little ATO experience five games last season, uh, played a couple games at the start of the year, and now suddenly, at the time of this recording, you have five points in your last five games, including your first career pro goal, a huge insurance goal at Lehigh Valley, and then a massive marker at Hershey where you just drag two or three guys to the net front with you en route to scoring that goal. What's starting to click for you now? You talk about adjusting, but what's been the difference from maybe those first few games to now how you find yourself just picking up a point every single night at this rate? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the first two games, obviously kind of coming into it as a new guy, you're just trying to kind of do what you can to, to stick in the lineup and, and contribute to the team, maybe not scoring or, or producing like points offensively, but maybe it's laying hits. And obviously that's something that's kind of a part of my game. So for me, I think through those first three, four games, I kind of just tried to stick with what I thought I was doing well and what I was told I was doing well. <laughs> and it's kind of funny when, when you do that, things kind of start to follow. And so, um, you know, the game's kind of opened up a little bit for me and it's, it's nice obviously, but it's not always going to be great like that offensively. So as long as I kind of just straight stay true to, to my game and who I believe I am as a player, I think that's just going to kind of keep following. And, um, you know, like I said, as long as I do that, hopefully, hopefully the points and, and goals and all that keep coming, but, um, it's just nice to contribute anyway. I can, so it's been good. What, what has been the feedback from the coaches? You, you say like, uh, try to do the things I think I'm doing well and the things I'm told I'm doing well. What's, what have those, uh, conversations been like from the time you got here to where we are now? Yeah. I mean, I think they love my physical play and that's something obviously yeah. people probably notice right away with me. So it sticks out. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that's something that I kind of just, um, you know, keep as a staple for me, but, and that's something they've been, they've told me as well. Um, also like penalty killing, it's, it's something that's kind of under the radar, but, um, gets you some more minutes as a, as a young guy like myself. So trying to kind of latch onto that and, and obviously do the best job I can there is, is, has been huge. So yeah, it's it overall. I mean, I think when your team's on a, a six game win streak, <laughs> um, things are, you know, pretty good and it's, feedback's obviously a little bit better yeah a little so, more certain, positive certain times, yeah. yeah um so overall i think kind of paired with that and you know how the team's doing and, and how our line's actually been playing has kind of been one of those things where it's just kind of like just keep it going you know just keep doing what you're doing and 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 stick to that and, and hopefully the same success will kind of follow so uh were you penalty killing at princeton too or is this something you just picked up no, to make yeah. yourself useful as a pro i, I did not i did not just picked okay. it up so um, I mean, obviously, everybody has an idea of penalty killing. You're sitting on the meetings, and you kind of know what's going on. And, and it's not it's, completely foreign, no, yeah. No, yeah. It's not it's, like you take a nap on the bench when your yeah, teammates are penalty killing yeah, and yeah. waiting for your next shift. Yeah, exactly. I think we're all kind of students of the game, so um, it's a little bit of a different role than I'm used to, but I, I love it. Like, I'm totally embracing it, and um, yeah, like, I'm still kind of adjusting in that sense. There's lots of, like, reads and little things that you kind of have to, like, learn as you go, right? So, um, I mean, obviously... Brookie's been huge with helping us out with that, and and even some of the older guys like Sakura. He's we're always chatting about it and talking about it. So um, I've kind of had to pick it up a little bit quickly, but yeah. I feel like we've done a pretty decent job. So hopefully we can kind of you know keep that going, I guess, and just be just be effective when we get out there. I've had a couple chats with Tyler Sakura since he got here. In fact, I think his very first day at the facility, I was like, "Hey, can I borrow you for like an eight-minute interview? We need to use to fill yeah. an intermission on TV or something like that." And he was super nice, super kind. But everyone I've talked to so far is like, man, like, this guy's smart. Like, yeah. he knows what's up. Yeah. He has, obviously, the veteran experience being around, but he's a smart dude. Is that a pretty fair read on Tyler yeah, Sakira? Yeah, very fair. Very smart player, smart dude. Um, you know, not an Ivy League guy. So oh, yeah, right. He's, I mean, it's been nice playing with him. Like I said, we, we on the PK, we talk a lot. But even, as my centerman right now, we're always talking and, 
I think it just kind of makes things easier when you when you do communicate like that. And I've really enjoyed playing with him the time that I've had. So it's been good. Like you said, he's super smart. He's a really smart player. He kind of knows where to go and, and knows how to read off guys. And, you know, that sometimes makes my job a little bit easier so I don't have to read as much. Right? <laughs> but, uh, no, he's it's it's been great. And he's a super good dude. Awesome, awesome. You mentioned Ivy Leaguer right there. Um, we've had Drew O'Connor on the podcast previously. Him and uh, Secura were both Dartmouth guys. Yep. And if I recall, OC told us on the podcast about uh, this uh, weird rivalry game that takes place between Dartmouth and Princeton, something to do with tennis balls, yeah. and they'll chuck tennis balls oh, on yeah. the ice when they score. Yeah. You're, you're nodding your head. You're smiling. What is going on with this? Because I consider myself a student of the game and know a lot of the traditions yeah. around the hockey world and – you know, the pros, college, Europe, et cetera. I had never heard of this before. Why is this not a bigger deal? Yeah, I honestly, I, I'm not too sure. I don't know a ton of the details other than, like, it's always Princeton versus Dartmouth yeah. at Dartmouth. And it's whatever we score, or sorry, Dartmouth scores their first goal. All the students and everyone in attendance, I guess, can throw their tennis balls on the ice. I don't know when it started, how it started, but it's been a really long tradition. Um it's awesome as a visiting team because you go in there being like, let's shut these guys up. Yeah, and, no tennis balls yeah, in the stands. And I mean, not to get on Dartmouth, but it's not usually a very packed house. So when oh, we okay. do go and play there and they have the tennis ball game, it's it's packed with students. So that makes it a little bit more enjoyable for us and a little bit more of a uh, better atmosphere to play in. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Again, I don't know why it's not heard about uh, in more places or, or how it started, but it's it's pretty neat. And, you know, I imagine, like you said, it's a packed barn. That's got to get a lot of juice, a lot of electricity in the building for a rivalry game, too. Oh, yeah. Gives you that extra motivation, like you said, to maybe shut them out, keep those tennis balls from, from clearing the glass. But then when they do score, if it occurs, and everyone's throwing these tennis balls out there, what is the cleanup delay like? Because we've seen teddy bear toss games where you got to pick up all yeah. the teddy bears, but you throw a teddy bear on the ice – it just sits there. Yeah. A tennis ball, if you don't get a, a handle on it, it's going to continue to bounce yeah. all over the place and then bounce off of other balls, etc. Like, yeah. what's the cleanup time? Well, as soon like? as, I mean, as soon as they score, the, the Zamboni door is basically open. They're ready. And, yeah, like, they'll they celebrate whatever, do their thing, and then they have a whole crew of people come out, and the whole team gets off. Like, not our team, but the Dartmouth team will get off the <laughs> bench and kind of assess with, like, moving the balls, but... To your, to your point, like, a teddy bear kind of just sits there with the ball bouncing all over. You kind of got to, like, you got to get it, right? Yeah. But it's also a little bit easier because I think you can kind of just get, like, a shovel or something to kind of just push the balls down and funnel them out to the Zamboni. Oh, okay. So, and we'll handle it once we get fair, it down yeah, the Zamboni. Yeah, yeah okay. It's, it's, like, a little bit easier. Like, you get it to one end, and then they can just start picking them up and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's, like, a little bit of a delay, and you're kind of just sitting there just like, okay, here we go. Like, just trying not to get hit by, by a tennis <laughs> ball or whatever. Duck for cover. It, those students, you know, they're ruthless a little bit. They'll they'll aim at they'll aim at your bench. So yeah, there's there's I'm sure more than a handful of students that are like, I'm not just celebrating yeah, goal here. I'm yeah. gonna try and tag one of these guys. Yeah. I'm part of the team for this moment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so no, it's 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 like like I said before, it's it's pretty neat. It's a cool tradition, and I don't know if we'll experience anything like that again in pro, but um, it was definitely cool while I was there, and it was. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you'll get to experience the the teddy bear toss game that uh, we do here in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. I mean, this is a thing pervasive yeah. throughout hockey in general right now at this point. I don't think, I don't know, I shouldn't go on record as saying this, but I'm going to anyway. I don't think 
we are Hershey's teddy bear toss game this year either. Okay. That is a delay. Yeah. <laughs> just because the sheer volume of stuffed animals, it's like basically an intermission. Like they yeah. tell you, like, go back into your locker room. If it's scored at a certain time in the period, they're like, we're just going to cut the ice afterwards and we can play the last two minutes of this period later. Yeah. Like it's a serious delay. But I don't think that's something we're going to have to deal with this season. Yeah. Of course, now that I say that, I'm sure a bunch of people are going to be messaging me. Yeah. Like, nope, nope, that's happening. It's yeah. a thing. Anyway, but you say, hey, we're probably never going to experience anything like this as pros. Maybe not necessarily a tennis ball-like celebration, but we had one heck of a delay earlier this year. We might as well just jump right into it. The blackout in Utica. Corey, you were just mixing it up at the net front before everything went pitch black dark. And when I say pitch black dark, people, a lot of people have asked me about this. Like, oh, well, the emergency lights came on, right? No. Whatever generator they had on the emergency lights was dead, too. It was inky black. Where were you the moment the lights went out, and what went through your mind? Yeah, I was getting heckled in the penalty box by some fans, actually, (laughs) when the lights went out. So I was kind of just sitting there, and I I don't know. I don't even know what was going through my head. I was just, like, probably kind of just burying my head because I just got knocked over at the net front. But... (laughs) um, no, I was. I think I was just sitting there and saw them go out, and I was like, "Oh!" And I've definitely experienced the blackout at a game before, okay. but they almost like the lights came back on instantly. Um, so I guess like a generator kicked in or whatever. But this was different. Obviously, they didn't come back on, and then you're kind of sitting there, and you see coaches and refs having conversations, and you're like, "For me, I mean, I wasn't on the bench this time, but I was in the box. I was kind of isolated. I was like, "All right, yeah. what's going on? Anybody know? Like, we gotta get some power back here, or what?" But you kind of just sit there and you know, you try and wait it out. And obviously, there was no waiting this time. It was kind of just like uh, we're going to just postpone the game right now and and play it at a later date. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think I've, I've experienced one to that extent. That was that was pretty wild. It's, it's unfortunate. The rink's kind of old, I guess. Yes, so it is. Maybe that has something to do. That's but, an old barn. I think it's over um, 60 years old. They've yeah. obviously renovated it yeah. plenty of times to try and keep it as – up to date as they can yeah. keep it from falling apart but <laughs> that was like i keep telling people too like when the power went out it was almost like a cartoon because it made a noise because there's so many lights so many video boards yeah. are playing music that when the lights went out it went yeah. yeah like it actually made a noise yeah. it was like oh my god the, the power's out there I was know. nothing to be seen yeah it and was, you were isolated I in was, the penalty box yeah. i didn't even consider that yeah so i was there and i was just like all right well i wonder what the guys are thinking like what 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 are the refs saying to the coaches or like whatever, you know, like what's happening or how long are we going to wait this out or how much of the delay were you actually in? Did they let you go back to the bench at any point or did you have to sit there the entire time no, before honestly, they told everyone to go to the locker? I, I didn't even really think that through. I kind of just sat there. Yeah. I was just, cause I think I was expecting it to come back on and, mm-hmm. and like everybody just, else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think I was just expecting to come back on. So I was like, all right, well I'll just, I'll just sit over here. And the next thing you know, I see the team like getting up and going off the ice. And I was like, all right, well that's probably my cue to go join <laughs> So I was kind of just like, all right, well, let's go. And we went in the room, and um, I think we were still kind of waiting, like, word on, like, what was going to happen, like, if we were going to get power. And it was like, JD came in at one point, and then he walked out, and then it was like a minute, two minutes later, they're like, all right, we're just going to postpone it because they couldn't get it to work again or yeah. get the power back on. So, um, yeah, like I said, kind of one of the weirder moments. Um, but. Uh, what are you going to do? It's a significantly weird, yeah. significantly <laughs> yeah. unique moment. When our bus pulled out of the parking lot at, I don't know, 10, 15, 10, 20, yeah. like, lights were still out. Like, yeah. They were not coming back on. Yeah. No, I know. It was, it was 
again, I don't know, one of the weirder things. It'll be fun to go back and, I guess, play 22 minutes. <laughs> but That's – I'm not sure what's weirder, the power going out yeah. in the middle of the game and they say we're gassing it, go yeah. home, or the fact that we have to go back – start a game with 243 left in the second period on the power play you're going to have to go sit yeah. on the in the box well that's even if we have the same rosters like who knows yeah. like you could be up in Pittsburgh Ty Smith who scored a power play goal earlier that game he, who knows where he's going to be like injuries call-ups yeah we're going to be looking at a final box score and you could have like 20 brand new names yeah. on there different goalies I like know. we've I mean talking about the whole thing we've like see me and some of the other guys have obviously talked about it it's, it's weird to think about that there's a lot of uncontrollables that can happen kind of between now and January 24th or yeah. whatever the date is right like who knows like you said we could have a completely different roster we could have the same roster guys could be gone guys could be injured so again one of the weirder situations I've experienced but <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do to finish oh. the game it's times like these, I wish we still had Shaw Boomhauer around. Because during the pandemic, I'm not sure if Penguins fans remember the name Shaw Boomhauer. He did an apprenticeship as an electrician. And in my brain, I just imagine <laughs> Shaw Boomhauer still in his gear, yeah. like under the hood with some actual electrician. Like, oh, yeah, we just need to do this, do this, and the lights come yeah. back on. I don't think we have anyone who is nearly capable of doing that. But I may speak too soon. Corey, when you were at Princeton, what did you study? I studied economics. Economics, yeah. so no, not no, electricity, yeah, not, no. engineering, <laughs> no. this in no the such. physics or anything like that. Why was, economics? Um, I think, I mean, kind of in broad broad terms, I think I was kind of interested in like business route or mm -hmm. some finance before university, and then I got there, and economics was kind of the closest thing. And yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm, per, I'm very fortunate to be played hockey with a Princeton degree, right? But um, I think for what it is that I might want to do when hockey is over, hopefully it's not going to hopefully it's not anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soon, not anytime but, soon. Long career, um, long career. It's probably going to be something kind of business finance related. So um, kind of just wanted to try and set myself up the best I could. And, you know, some of the material is interesting. So kind yeah. of led me towards it. Uh, Taylor Fadoon, who we've had on the podcast, another Princeton man, uh, he told us that, you know, hey, when I went to school – I wasn't thinking about pro hockey. I was really at Princeton with, you know, education first in my mind. He was mechanical and aerospace engineering, uh, all academic team, all four years that he was there. And I don't want to say pro hockey happened by accident because I don't want to diminish his, his talent and his ability. But it's one of those things that he wasn't thinking about until his senior year and teams started inquiring about him. And he was like, oh, yeah, I guess I could do that, too. Uh, what was your kind of journey like as a yeah. student, student athlete at Princeton, and then to get to where you are now as a pro? Yeah, I was the complete opposite. Really, <laughs> yeah. you were like, "I'm going pro, baby." Yeah, yeah. I was uh, even before high school. Before I committed to Princeton, it was like pro hockey. What What do I need to do to get there? That's yeah. It was pro hockey, pro hockey, pro hockey. I've always, I mean, I've always wanted to play in the NHL. So it's like that's been my dream since I was skating started skating like that's all i wanted to do so i mean to go to to princeton was probably kind of an unconventional route yeah. in a way you know like you don't see princeton producing a ton of nhl guys and hopefully that just continues to increase and increase as the years go on because you know they have a, a good program and i think sometimes it kind of flies under the radar yeah with, definitely with how good of a spot it is and um 
it's not for everyone. You know, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but it is a, it's a fun spot to play. It's a fun spot, spot to go to school. Um, so hopefully that kind of changes. But for me, it was kind of one of those things where um, when I got committed, I was I toured the school and spoke with the coaches and everything. And mm-hmm. um, for me, I just felt like it was a really good fit. Kind of sim- similar to Pittsburgh, like kind of going yeah. through that process, I felt like I was like, Princeton's going to be a really good fit for me. You know, like obviously it's second to none uh, academically athletically like i'm gonna have a really good opportunity to kind of come in as a freshman which in my mind is kind of what you need as a as a first year guy anywhere you go you just got to play and, and adjust that get way. those that's, reps yeah. yeah that's my belief and um yeah for me i just felt like it was a good fit and um you know what people's perception of princeton is and what got like the perception of a player's kind of mindset is is a lot of times you kind of see Ivy League guys, and they're like, "Oh, they they don't maybe care as much about hockey because they're going to an Ivy League right, school yeah. or whatnot." But I don't think that's the case, and I know that, that wasn't the case for me. It was always hockey first and school second, which maybe some people don't want to hear, but that's just the reality <laughs> of it. You had um, goals. You had goals. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, I had those goals, and in the meantime, I was able to, to still achieve you know a pretty cool feat and, and get an Ivy League yeah, education. Yeah, for sure. Not so, too shabby. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean. Again, like I'm, I'm super fortunate. Obviously, I had a, I had a kind of a great path, and it wasn't easy at times. It kind of looked bleak in, in some sense, and I was kind of just like, all right, just stick with it. This is what you want to do. You know, you're in a good spot, and you're still playing Division One hockey. And there's lots of guys that are here that, you know, were in better spots or worse spots. You know, and I, like I said, kind of just tried to stay with it and, um, and never lost sight of what my goals were. So. Um, worked out in the end. When you say bleak, do you mean like there might not have been as many eyes on you as you wanted? Because Princeton is a uh, program that might, like you say, fly under the radar or something yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I think in that sense, I think there were definitely times when we like we didn't even play my my. That's right, because the pandemic completely wiped yeah. out all Ivy League athletics. Yeah, so some college uh, hockey teams played, you guys didn't. Yeah, so that I mean that was that was tough. Like not playing and seeing other schools play, and you're like, oh man, like. What am I should doing? I, yeah, yeah, like, should I have transferred? You know, like, I'm one year away from getting a, an unbelievable degree. Obviously, you don't want to give that up. And yeah. you don't want to leave your team and, and all that stuff. I loved loved all my teammates. It was one of the better group of, of, of guys I've ever been a part of. So I was super fortunate for that. Um, and you don't, you know, you don't, you don't want to leave them. You don't want to just leave behind everything you've already kind of accomplished or achieved there. But it's hard not to play. I think that was the first year I haven't played hockey since I started playing hockey. So to, to kind of go through that, I was like, oh, is this how is this going to affect me going into next season or how is this going to affect me, you know, down the road? And, um, for me, I think that was kind of, that was a huge hurdle to kind of go over. And then, like you said, not having like eyes on you just because you're at a a smaller program and everything. So kind of that combination and it was, was tough uh, to deal with, but I think I was also kind of just had the mindset of, you know, if you're good enough, they'll find you like so many people have said before me. And, um, I kind of like I've said, be like I just stuck with it, just kind of stayed true to to what my goals were and and how I was as a player, and I just trusted that that would hopefully get me to where I wanted to be. And you got your degree, you got your pro contract, yep. and you're a bulldozer out there right now for the <laughs> Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, Corey Andonovsky with me here on the Penguins podcast. We'll get to Harry Styles in a little bit, but hey, Corey, there's a new thing we do every year on the podcast, new games, new segments, and you're sort of the guinea pig here for a new segment we have uh, this season. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, We like to talk. We like to joke around, but so often these conversations turn this podcast into a debate show. And I want to 
lean into that a yeah. little bit here, but go into it with some, how should I put it, ambiguous topics, some things that people talk about, that bandy about regularly, but don't necessarily have a defined definition. You're going to help us out here, Corey Andonofsky, on our very first ever round of semantics. Okay, Corey, so here's how we play this game. You are being given the ultimate power. So I'm going to give you a word or a turn of phrase that I think has too ambiguous of a meaning when people use it all the time in conversations and debates. We need a hard definition for this word, okay? And whatever you decide is what we all have to go by from now on. Whatever people are, are hearing at home, whatever they might have different opinions, uh-uh, not anymore. You ultimately decide the definition for this term, okay? So there's no more gray areas, no more ifs, ands, or buts. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty details, the semantics of these terms. Fans, you'll have to excuse me here for perhaps the lack of creativity, but, you know, this is the very first round of semantics, so I figure we go with one that's talked about all the time but I feel like is a great way to set the table for this segment moving forward. Yeah. Corey, are you ready? I think so, hopefully. <laughs> Your word is elite. Elite. What does it mean to actually be elite? Because I think everyone knows, like, the dictionary definition would be like, yeah, really good, among the best. Right. But where is the cutoff for elite? This yeah. is what I'm asking you. Okay. I mean, for me, thinking of the word elite naturally it goes to probably who I think are elite hockey players. Yeah, okay. But right? Very so, fair, yeah. And so when I think of those guys like Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, mm-hmm. the definition I would say is that to be d- defined as elite it would be to be better than everyone else in every single category. Okay. If that's – I don't well, know. Okay, but now here's where I get into – where is the cutoff? Right. Because you just named, what, three guys right, right. there. Yeah. Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon. Yeah. I think it's fair to throw Austin Matthews in there. Yeah, Austin Matthews okay. for sure. I now we've got, we've got four yeah. names. Yeah. Okay. How many names can we get to yeah. where you say, oh, you're better than everyone else at everything? How many names can we get to before it's like, oh, well, this is too expansive of a list? Yeah. Is there a number cutoff? Like if you are not in the top ten, you are not elite. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, what is your... Even if it's not a number borderline, what is the borderline to you that separates the elite from the uh, exceptional? Yeah, that would probably be where it is. Is like, I was going to say if you're above average in every single category, but I think kind of being just above average is is too much of a is kind of too much of a gap. You're not from, elite from the elite to to the average. Mm-hmm. So I would say, like you said, the exceptional. Like if you're if you're more exceptional. I don't know how I would say this. If you're, like, better than the most exceptional players, that's kind of when you'd be in that category of elite. I don't know if that makes sense. You're better than the exceptional yeah, players. Yeah, if you're, if you're better in every category than the most exceptional player, then that's when you would be defined as elite. Okay. So Let's... there would kind of be, like, that elite tier at the very, very top, and then the exceptional players right behind them. So you're saying there is no number cap? 
there could be at any given time in in history <clears throat> 24 elite players in the yeah. NHL. There could be only five elite players in the NHL. Yeah, I think that's. I don't think there is a number cap. There's just, no I, number cap I, to you. I, I I just think there's. It's not top ten, top twenty. It's like it's more of a amorphous. Yeah, I I think. I don't think you can put a number on that because there's just going to be con- there's just going to continue to be guys that come up and and are so so good and like and again I'm thinking of this as a hockey thing and, yeah of course and it's tough because you almost like I think about guys who are elite in a different way and we think of Crosby and Matthews and and McDavid and McKinnon and how good they are offensively but you also have guys that are elite defensively right and you can't just because they're not top twenty in points or top 15 of points you may not some people may not consider them to be elite but they still are elite so i think it's kind of there shouldn't be a number cap on it to you there is no number cap to To me there's no number cap i think it's just if you look at you know a list of players or a group of players or whatever it is and you kind of break them down as being average above average exceptional or good exceptional and then elite is above exceptional yeah elite would definitely be above exceptional which kind of seems silly i guess no but that's that's what we mean you have to be you have to be the cream of the crop yeah and i think i think those guys that are in the elite category are the ones who are just better in every aspect than the exceptional players and i don't think you could put a number cap on that because it could be one two it could be ten it could be you know however many guys depending on your kind of your numbers so let me ask you this though to be considered elites and we'll keep it in the hockey example here to be considered elite is there a time period that you have to build your resume? So, for example, Sidney Crosby, he's mm-hmm. been one of the best since the day he came into the league. He's built a long enough resume that if someone says he's elite, it's, yeah, of course. Yeah. Same thing with Connor McDavid. He's been so good since he came into the league. No one's questioning his ability to do it consistently. Austin Matthews would be an elite goal scorer mm-hmm. for his ability to put the puck in the net. Um, I don't want to get you into trouble saying anything that, you know, maybe you play with like future teammates or yeah. something <laughs> like that. But Andrew Mangiapane came out of the gate last year and scored like 20 goals in his first like 12 games with Calgary. Is he an elite goal scorer yeah. that season? Or do you have to do it for a longer period of time to be considered an elite goal scorer? I think. How long of a resume do you have to yeah. build before you leap over oh you're an exceptional player who's on a hot run to now i have skipped ahead to the tier of elite yeah i guess i'm kind of being ambiguous with some of my answers. that's the thing we got to nail it <laughs> yeah. down baby it's just i i definitely think you can you can have elite years but i think in order to be determined an elite player, player. it has to be over an, an extended period of time i think that's what makes guys elite is that they you have to have a resume yeah you, they do it consistently like Sydney, How many years? Sidney Crosby's done it consistently. What is with his 18th season or 17th season? <laughs> Whatever it is, it's it blows my mind. And that's like, yeah, I think. Oh, six was his first year. So yeah, coming out of the lockout, oh five, oh six. Yeah, I don't know what that is. You went to Princeton. You I can know. do the math. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible math <laughs> yeah. guy. I, so yeah, a lot of years. But it, anyway, so it's like when you do it for that long, and you're doing it consistently, and you're doing it at such a high or an elite level, I think that's when that's when you're elite. Don't get me wrong. When you if you score forty goals one year, and maybe you score thirty five the next, or you're still pretty good. Thirty, yeah, you're still very good. Maybe your first year or your one year was elite, and your next year is exceptional. That's not too bad. I would no, take that's, that. that's very good. <laughs> I yeah. would take that. But yeah. I think in order to be kind of like defined as an elite player, like uh, named an elite player, I think it's that 
doing it consistently over X amount of years is what. Don't give me X. We got to get into the semantics. How many years? How many years of consistent elite play do you need to have to be considered an elite player? Well, I think what's the average length of an NHL or an NHL career is probably like seven years, I think, or something like that. Maybe. So if you can do it. But we're talking about the average guy, right. not the elite guy. No, the average. So, I mean, it, being elite, I think 10 seasons. You have to be elite for 10 seasons to be considered elite? I don't know. That's a long time. I know it is. But is Matthews even there yet? Has he been no, in the league 10 years? No, he's not. But that's kind of what – that's the problem with this being ambiguous is people are giving him that kind of street cred or that elite like credit. I, you don't want to get me in trouble with No, I do not. I do not. But you're making the rules. No, I know. You're making the rules. If you want to say 10 years, that's going to be the rule, and we yeah. all have to follow it. You're challenging me here. Okay, and then that's I, – I think the average length of an NHL career is – We'll say seven years. So, I like the number seven. I think lucky seven to be elite. You, you can have, to have be elite for seven years. So you can have an elite year, but to be an elite player, you have to consistently be in that group for seven years. Yeah, I think that's fair. Does it have to be seven in a row, or can you spread out oh, seven no, over think, a fourteen-year career? Yeah, I think seven over a fourteen-year career. Like just because okay. seven seven is the average length. So you I mean that you're going to get a, sprinkle a mix through. of guys yeah. that aren't elite that play, you know, five years or you know, four years. And then you're going to have the guys that are elite that play 20 years. And so I think you kind of mix those in. Like, I don't, I don't think it has to be seven straight. I think it's just yeah. you kind of have seven seven years sprinkled Seven in. has to go on the resume yeah, at I, some point, yeah, whether I, it's early, late, or sprinkled throughout. Yeah, and I think I think everybody's going to kind of have off years or kind of down years, right? Like, it's just, it's nature. Like, it's natural for that to happen. And, um, I mean – an elite guy, his his off years maybe going to be you know a point per game instead of a point and yeah. a half per game or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But you know it's still like it's people are going to notice it and be like, oh, like he wasn't as good this year, blah blah blah. But he's still like he's elite if he's doing that in a bad year, okay. right? So I don't know. I think I think seven years like it's a it's a tall task for anybody. But right? it, it but, but for the most some elite would say players, it should be a, a a tall task if you want to reach that yeah. echelon and that's of and, elite, right? And that's it's. It's tough, but if you're an elite player, and that's kind of where I would kind of make the threshold, I guess, for for when you become that. If I don't know, I think that's kind of fair. I want to spin it though. We're talking sports because yeah. we're both <laughs> sports guys. What if it's like an elite sandwich? This is an elite yeah. meal, an see, elite my, dinner. See, my my definition with that's a little bit looser, probably. <laughs> okay, well, how loose? Well, depends how hungry if I'm. If I'm starving, I haven't eaten anything since this morning, and it's like lunchtime. I'm like, okay, well, I can go for anything right I now. I could go for anything. Right? Oh my god, this is elite Chinese food. Yeah, or exactly. Like my my bar for being elite at that point goes way down. <laughs> but um, I don't try to give this definition. I guess like a really good steak. Okay. Like a really well cooked steak, with like good side of like vegetables, mashed potatoes, like just a grade a dinner is probably like that's what i would set the bar for being like elite so like anything that's like really good quality food i guess that's that's where i'd maybe draw the like if it's ex like a very high quality i'm like whoa okay like, it's so the, quali the quality of think, ingredients comes yeah. into play quality of preparation comes into yeah. play i think I th yes yeah i think that's kind of where i would like start my grading and be like okay what's the quality like well, How well was it prepared? Okay, counterpoint. Can you have an elite meal from some grease bucket 
at two in the morning on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> does does the composition of the food disqualify it from being elite? It might be delicious in yeah. that time and place, but to you, it is not yeah. elite. I would just counter that with like how you wake up feeling the next morning. Would probably oh, be the, the way, so it feels good now. Yeah, the reason it's if not you, elite. If you if you hate yourself later, yeah, that's that's oh, that's what I would say. You like, can't hate yourself if it's truly an elite meal. No, yeah, if it's if it's an elite meal, you're like. You go in super excited for it while you're eating it. You're, like, savoring every bite. And then when you leave, you're like, I feel unbelievable. I feel unbelievable. The next morning, you're still thinking about it, but not out of regret. Out of, like, oh, you're longing for that. If it's 2 a.m. and on a Friday night, you're probably waking up regretting something. Whatever you just put in your body, (laughs) no matter how good it tasted in the moment. Yeah, you're like, oh, man, I feel awful. I should not have done that. That was an error. And even though it tasted so good in the moment, you're like... So that disqualifies it from being elite. and that's no longer elite in my books. Interesting. I think that's kind of where I would have to spin it a bit and be like, you have to feel good throughout the entire meal, even afterwards. Because at the end of the day, like, I think, Everybody kind of feels a certain way after a meal, and yeah. if you feel if you come out of it feeling like full but not too full, like yeah. not bloated, you're feeling. Well, that could light. also be your own fault. Yeah, to- it, it totally. Could. I've I've had fantastic meals where I just overate, and then for but sure. it's my own fault. It's, for sure, yeah, for sure. It could, but I mean, I think like if you're just if you're having like one plate, like this is what it is. Like, I think if you come out feeling good, like that's a huge like check mark on my book being like that's a good thing there's so many avenues that we could go down with this yeah, that that that's like a whole <laughs> different could, podcast could that we, so we could get into <laughs> yeah. but we do have some hard rules here on elite that you have given us that there is no number cap to elite you can have one to ten to one hundred things or people being elite but there is a level of consistency that needs to be required to be elite over a certain period of time furthermore uh, elite meals. You cannot hate yourself the following morning. Um, I probably applies to other things too, like uh, taking a nap. Like, oh, that was a great nap, but now I have like three hours of work I need to do yeah. and no time to do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe not elite anymore. Yeah. There's re- there's regret involved. You can't have regrets when yeah. it comes to being truly elite. One of the best experiences overall. I like that. We're getting yeah. down down to the semantics here. Like I said, there's so many different avenues we could go down here, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, Corey. Um, plus, we still got to get to Harry Styles later. But there is one thing I got to ask. Since we were talking about athletes and all that stuff, you got to tell us uh, in, you know, however many words you can, the Kenny Pickett story. Yeah. Because I heard all about this at development camp. All I heard was Corey and his boy Kenny or yeah. whatever. Like, you got to tell us the Kenny Pickett story. What's the deal there? Yeah, so um, his – fiance now is uh a really good friend of ours at school so there's at um, princeton yeah she okay. played soccer at princeton um and we we're super close they're super super awesome the two of them they're great people um but anyway so she i guess started seeing him dating him whatever whatever um because he's from new jersey right? he's from yeah. new jersey yeah so I should know that. Um, fan. and it was actually the covid year and um when I got to know him. So it was kind of weird, but like we weren't doing much, but he came over and visited a couple of times with her. Um, and you know, at that time he was, he was just kind of big deal coming out of pit. Yeah. Right? Like he was, I guess he was still playing quarterback at, at pit at and, pit, and he was going into a season yeah. where he was, you know, Heisman candidate. Yeah. Set pit football records yeah. at, a, at a historic school. And I was kind of like, I didn't watch a lot of, I didn't follow 
I don't follow a lot of college football, so uh-huh. and I was kind of getting into the NFL, and then uh-huh. and I was like, all right, well, I know he's gonna be a big deal. I don't know how big. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I was kind of seeing everything happen when he was setting those records because that was that was the year. And uh, so he had visited a couple times, and we got to know him really well. And like I said, he's a great, great guy. Um, and then yeah, got I was at his draft party, and so that was super cool because. I had just signed, I guess, a month before, and then I was there, and we were kind of like watching the the board go down the, and, on the draft. And next yeah. thing you know, it's like they're at Pittsburgh, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? And then <laughs> he gets picked, and we're like, no way! Like, and how cool would that be if like we're in the same place? So I kind of started joking around with them. I was like, hey man, like if, if I'm in Pittsburgh at all during the season, like I'm gonna come live with you. I was like, hopefully you have a guest room. He's like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, <laughs> so you gotta, yeah. So we've joked about that. Obviously, we'll see if we have to ever exercise that. But yeah, um, yeah, it was pretty funny. So it was just, yeah, kind of gotten to know him pretty well. And I'll text with him here and there, like after a game, if I watch like the Steelers play, or he'll text me if you know, PC some highlights and whatnot. So um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. It's been really cool getting to know him. Like I said, they're great people and, and super close with them. Like. Um, and we will be for a long time. It's kind of just cool things that something that's happened at Princeton. That's obviously a kind of cool little networking thing. I yeah. Guess, so I know you're not, you said, I'm not too much of a football guy or yeah. whatever. I don't know how much you actually talk football with him, but are there other times? I don't know. You guys are, I don't know, just get into a competitive debate or there's a, it's game night or something like that. Yeah. Do you see the, the competitor that, that dog in him, as the as yeah, the kids the, say, yeah. that that everyone raves about with Kenny Pickett, that yeah. he just has that edge to him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's been any instances in particular with us, like playing games or whatever, but yeah. just talking about sports and talking about football and um, kind of hearing him talk. Obviously, you can he's legit. Like he's he's a competitor. He wants to win. He wants to he wants to bring a, another Super Bowl championship to to the city of Pittsburgh. So yeah, I like um that. he's he's like super motivated um and just wants to be the best in every aspect every time he's he's playing. So um it's pretty cool like I said I I don't follow it. Maybe I haven't, maybe I haven't <laughs> seen it firsthand yet. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um well actually I was watching the the Bill I think it was the Bills game. Yeah, we were on the bus. We got his first uh start when he got his first start. Yeah. He came in halfway through the Jets game yeah, yeah, yeah. to like, I think it was, get his first like play in the regular yeah. season, and then his first start was against the Bills. I think it was the Bills, and he took like a late hit or took like uh, one to his knee, and he kind of like retaliated. And I was like, I think that... Oh, there was one in the Jets game where he threw a dart. Maybe like, a, he got lit up, yeah. but he threw a dart down the field, and he got up like nothing. Not like a 300-pound yeah. Mack truck just ran yeah. in him. Got up and was like barking in the dude's yeah, face. Yeah. I was like... Oh yeah. Okay. But it's just little things like that. Like yeah. I think that kind of goes to show. Not everybody's gonna you know chirp or smack talk or whatever. But I think that kind of goes to show like just the competitor that he has inside him. Um, and I think that's just like cool to see. Like somebody who just like constantly just like takes hits, does whatever, is like gonna give it back to you. Whether it's like you know throwing a nice touchdown pass or kind of giving you a shot back. Like mm-hmm. I think that's that's a huge kind of thing for me. It's just like seeing somebody who competes like that. So it's pretty cool. And like I was saying, like just talking talking sports, whether it's talking hockey or you're talking football with him, you kind of see like how bad he just like wants to be like the best and wants to win. So um yeah, hopefully that's a, a friendship that stays yeah, together that's for awesome. a long time. That's cool. and, um especially sport. like you said the the little pittsburgh connection you guys yeah have. I, well i was fortunate enough to get out to a game too when i was there so nice um 
that was kind of cool to see and um yeah hopefully there's lots more in the future hopefully there's lots more in the future i love a good competitor luckily for myself and the penguins fans listening out there we got a lot of competitors back in that locker room right now a big reason why this team has the record that they have going into november Corey andonovsky you are also a big reason why big contributor so far to the penguin success i gotta thank you for coming on the podcast with me but before i let you go we gotta do one more thing real quick at the end here this is something we always like to do at the end of our show something called pens picks Picks. Corey, it is at this time in the podcast where I ask my guests for a recommendation that they can give the fans, our listeners. It could be anything in the world. It could be a great book you read, movie you saw, food recommendations are always popular, but it, the category is potpourri. Just anything you can recommend the fans. What do you got for us? What's your pens pick? Um, all right, well, show, I'll give two just because... I'm watching yeah. House of the Dragon right now, and the Game of Thrones yeah, spinoff show. Yeah, the the prequel, and it's it's very good. Um, I'm a huge fan. It's probably what network is that on? Is that HBO? HBO, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, there's definitely yeah. a certain kind of appropriateness level with, with yes, that show. Yeah, just yeah. As a use fair viewer warning. discretion advised. Um, one that's kind of good for everyone. It was actually suggested to me by someone else, but um, it's a book that I'm reading. It's called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, and he's a former Navy SEAL. Um, and so it's kind of just a, it's just a really cool read. Obviously there's lots of kind of his own stories, but it's also, um, kind of like a mentality, a mental strength kind of, if you will, uh, a read. So it's kind of good to read that. And I think it, it's relatable to everybody. If you need some kind of motivation or encouragement to do things and get up and move, um, or just your everyday life, it's, it's a really, really neat read. I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. So what is that? Can't hurt me. Can't hurt me. Yeah. Um, uh, by David Goggins. So. Like I said, I was uh, it was suggested to me by somebody, and um, I really enjoyed it. So those are two kind of suggestions. Are I you reading get. it right now, or did you finish reading it? No, I'm reading it right now. Okay. So we'll see. So we don't I'm, know how I'm it like, ends. I'm about just over halfway through or so. Uh, Do you think it's going to have a twist ending? I don't think it's really that kind of book. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really. He's, he's That's pretty, how they get you. You yeah, don't think it's no, coming. No, no, it's very fair. But he's, <laughs> he's I mean, I uh, yeah, former Navy SEAL. He's like he's pretty clear cut. Yeah, his and it, straight to the point. So I don't think there's going to be a twist on this one. But, well, we'll uh, see. Yeah. We might have to check back in. With yeah, you, yeah, but that's a yeah, check back in with me. Two about, yeah. two awesome recommendations. One for those of you who want to couch and watch some TV, and another one for you readers out there, or if you want to flip flop. If you're yeah. a reader and you don't watch TV, they're a good mix. Sometimes you need both those things in your life. So. Exactly. Life is all about variety. One hundred percent. Uh, my pen's pick is also going to fall under the uh, uh, hobbies and leisure category. I'm going to give a little pen's pick to playing musical instruments. Corey, you can even see behind you right now. The guitars are, are right there here in the Creation Station studios. We were jamming out recently. Uh, we had some fun here in the front office making the theme for the semantic segment for this season. Um, of course, L.S. Erickson bringing us our theme music this season. He plays all of those instruments that you heard over the course of that. The theme song, the outro, all of his music on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, YouTube, etc., etc. He's playing all that stuff. 
even if you are not an expert, if you are not a virtuoso like L.S. Erickson, it's still fun to just uh, pick up a musical instrument here and there, whether it's guitar, whether it's piano. I, I think it's, it's, it's cool whenever someone can just kind of like casually break out into like, oh, there's a piano in the lobby of our hotel. Yeah, I'll just play a little bit of Elton John or something like that. Or maybe you, you don't even have to be that good. That's my thing. It's just like pick it up as a hobby. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're a listener who's like, 12 years old listening to this and you're like yeah you know this could be a cool little thing that I start to do or if you're 60 years old and you're trying to pick up a new hobby something new you know start playing the drums start playing guitar start the slapping the bass it's all on the table I I think uh I'll throw that out there it's it's just a, a nice hobby here playing uh musical instruments I think it's a good one at least you know we're, we're starting soft here with uh, with my pen picks here this season I'm sure I'll get a little bit more fiery as the year goes on there but that does it for our first episode of the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast. Once again, Corey Andonofsky, thank you so much for your time. Got to give an apology to Harry Styles. We've run out of time here. Maybe next time we'll get a chance to talk with Harry Styles. But in the meantime, it's been fantastic talking to you, Corey. Thanks so much for telling us your stories. You were, you were so generous with your time this morning. Uh, as of recording, you have a bunch of uh, uh, meetings and workouts to get into right now, so I don't need to take up any more of your time. I don't want to get you in trouble with the coaches, so you could go on and get out of here. But first, Corey, say goodbye to the people. See you, fans. Get uh, get out to games. Uh, we love seeing you guys in the stands, so it was a pleasure to sit here with you, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks, Corey. That'll do it for Episode 1 of the Penguins Podcast this season. So I will bid you adieu. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you again in two weeks. The Woodsbury Scranton Penguins Podcast is recorded live in front of no studio audience.